I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Gustavo Ruiz, SVP and CEO LATAM and Global Head of Open Banking for PaySafe. We are focusing on the Latin American markets and in particular on the evolution of consumer payment preferences across Brazil, Peru and Chile. You've just done some research on this, Gustavo. What are you seeing in the way things are changing? Latin America is one of the highest growth regions worldwide in terms of e-commerce growth or expected growth. And we've seen that not only within the pandemic where there was a lot more adoption from consumers, but we've also seen it through the stickiness at the new normal where people are looking for either best goods at a better price, uh, better margins, uh, better cost. And and what we have done as a company is worked around what you might define as financial inclusion. This is providing access to consumers who do not have all, let's say, uh, the payment needs that you would see in a developed country. So I'll give you an example. If you look at the region composition, about 50% of the consumers are backed, 50 to 55%, and only between 40 to 45% have a credit card. Now, so that, that imposes from reaching a segment, a big gap in terms of the other products that the users will transact with. In our case, when we developed this hypothesis, we tried to address several factors. One, those that did have the products but did not want to commit financial information in, on the web. So, so we basically alleviated that portion. When we built this clearinghouse capability across markets, we actually intended to leverage the bank's security, which is very strong, and have the consumer pay directly from their bank accounts. And, and this is on top of, of debit or, or credit. So this is enabling customers that have dynamic tokens to be able to pay. The third component that we developed was working around how do we convert cash? There's the developing countries, as you're probably familiar with, have significant cash payments. And the trick, I guess, was to actually move the consumer from cash to digital and enable those solutions with real-time confirmation. And that's how we have built this business around Latin America, more than 300,000 points of payments. We cover more than 90% of the total bank customers. So, so very strong proposition in Latin America. And we also enable cross-border transactions. So let's say you have a international airline that flies into multiple markets. We've set up the legal entities in markets. We enable the ability for the merchant to collect payments in local currency. And then we basically pay the merchant in the euro dollar denominated sales that they do. So an airplane ticket can immediately be confirmed. And we do all the back end process as a clearinghouse throughout multiple markets. I'm glad you focused on these two issues first, financial inclusion and payment security, because as you've mentioned, the marketplace for expanding financial inclusion in Latin America is huge, but it has to be done on a secure basis. (laughs) Correct. If we move on from there and, and look at perhaps that part of the market, which already has the tools, as it were, to do the job, 
You talked a little bit there about e-commerce, but there is also the issue of smartphone adoption. That's rising as well. That presents opportunities as well. Correct. Yeah. When you look at the smartphone penetration in region, somewhere between 70 to 75% of the total population have access now to smartphones. We've seen a significant shift from, let's say, five years ago where 90% of the transactions were done from a computer, now about half and half. So that's where the smartphone access creates that linkage for the consumer to be able to do prompter transactions and to be able to to process them faster. The other thing that has evolved on the e-commerce side is all the logistics process or e-commerce vendors that are selling retail goods into the marketplace. So the consumer is getting not only faster payments, but they're also getting access to goods in a shorter time frame, which helps the consumer acquire better products. And finally, I would say there's been a significant evolution, not only from the banking side, but also from the regulatory side, where there's new payment methods that we integrate for merchants. I'll give you the example in Brazil. Pix has had the biggest uptake since launch, and a lot of the transactions from a person-to-person perspective and from a person-to-business perspective have basically exploded. And given the security embedded around that service provided by banks in alignment with the central bank in Brazil, allows consumers to to make more efficient, secure payments throughout the network. That's good. But talk to me a little bit about the growth in alternate payments. You've touched on this. I'd like to go into it more deeply. The change in payment methods or or the alternative payment methods that are being introduced and are being pursued? So it's it's quite interesting because if if you look at the, let's say the the region, the expected growth for the the KR for the next three years is somewhere between 22 to 26%. But when you actually zone in on the APMs, those are growing at least twice as fast as a credit card. And there's different aspects on the credit card that have benefited the APMs. And one of one of the things with credit cards is, as I mentioned, low penetration because there's a credit risk by a, that's undertaken by the issuer. There's also credit risk taken by the merchant. So even if you have a credit card, you might not be able to pay with your local card and international payment. So that's where we come in. And then by having the the largest network of points of payment, as well as access to bank accounts through bank transfer services, we've seen, as I mentioned, at least twice the growth versus card. And so so APMs are becoming even more relevant as, as, as we move forward. If the APMs are becoming more relevant, you've got things like e-cash, real-time bank transfers. What are the security issues? Can we be sure we're safe when we're using these things? Completely. Because a cash transaction basically gets notified once the cash is received by the teller. And we basically validate and notify that the cash is in our accounts. And at that point, we confirm the payment. And we just basically collect, consolidate, and pay the merchant. So, so it's very difficult for anybody using cash to basically construct a fraud around cash payments. On the bank transfer, what's interesting is that the security that has built, been built either by cent- through central bank regulations and by banks 
it's uh, a dynamic process. So, so you don't have static access codes, passwords, and so on. You actually do get into your electronic banking system as a user. And then once you are going to approve from which accounts to withdraw, you have to present a dynamic token that only allows to perform one transaction over a specific short period of time. And, and what we've seen is for the merchant, we provide no chargeback. Transactions are completely verified and validated online so that when we notify, we know the funds are good. And then the merchant gets the benefit of, of gaining those funds uh, on a quicker manner when you compare it to credit cards in, in several markets. Now, you mentioned the regulatory approach in Brazil. Are you seeing regulators being understanding, flexible, willing to grasp the future opportunities that are coming into their marketplaces elsewhere as well? Peru and Chile, for example, as the other two countries you cite in your research. We're seeing a move in multiple directions. The bank creating their own payment methods. So I'll, I'll put the Peru example. You've got Yape, you've got um, other products that are similar to PIX that are supplied by the banks. But the central bank is intending to, intending to consolidate into a single payment method, similar to what, what goes on in the, in the U.S. or more developed countries where you've got the BAMOs of the world doing payments across the board. Depending on the maturity of the market, uh, we've seen either faster push, like in Mexico with Kodi, you know? and in Chile, we've seen more structure around how they clear transactions through their clearing processes. So, so what we do is we identify what the best customer experience is. We link the channel through which a consumer pays, and then we enable those for the merchant. And the merchant has the opportunity to select which payment method they want to use, either all or selected methods, depending on how they're connected. And that's that's the beauty of our service. With one single connection, you get access to multiple markets. You can do local uh, settlement of transactions. You can do an international settlement of transactions. You can actually connect not only to the bank transfer, the cash to digital e-cash process. You also connect to, to the local means that are providing that user experience that is be better than other products that are out there in the market. All right. This is a dynamic situation. Things are evolving. What's it going to look like in five years' time? I think the, the opportunity is even larger than that. A way to compare it from an economic perspective is what's the share of e-commerce sales in emerging markets. And you compare that against developed markets. So you've got markets where, like uh, China, their e-commerce sales to GDP are in the 16 to 17% of the total sales. You've got markets like Brazil where the, the market is the fastest growing, but they're still at 3.5% of GDP. So, so you can see how that is going to shape out. And that's why we're seeing these accelerate growth rates at 24 26%. And I think as, as the market continues to evolve on the payment scene, the more providers selling to online because they're eliminating part of the cost and providing much better services to, to end consumers that allows for the consumer to shift. Uh, and I think uh, the pandemic, which was unfortunate for all, 
it was very fortunate for the e-commerce play because then consumers shipped it quicker. They have more trust. They are leveraging the security and then they're moving to buy more things online. I always put the example, and probably you see this at home, how many packages do you receive a week or per day? It has shifted significantly. But it's it's not just about e-commerce and people being willing to shop online or pay online. It's about their willingness to adopt the technology. We talked about this, about the smartphone and the growth of transactions on the smartphone rather than on the computer. Although I mm-hmm. just wonder whether that's also a factor of that's where the growth has been. There hasn't been an absolute fall in the number of people using their computers to to do transactions. There's just been a growth alongside it of people using their smartphones. So it's the adoption of that technology and it's and it's the willingness of financial institutions to embrace it as well. And I would add, if you segment the market and look at the demographics, we saw during the pandemic a big shift into the entertainment world. So streaming uh, examples. Uh, and, and so that has led for consumers to be able to adopt. Obviously, dependent on, on the age bracket or how savvy or the gender, women will buy more online than men for some reason, no? 70% versus 30. But uh, uh, that's that's part of the shift that we're seeing. And as you mentioned, when you tie that over to the smartphone adoption using the services provider by the fintech companies, then that's what's pushing, uh, again, part of that evolution. Gustavo Ruiz, SVP and CEO, LATAM and Global Head of Open Banking at Paysafe. Thank you very much.